0: Owen Marbury was part owner of an IT service business. Now he's locking horns with his ex-partner, Devin, and fighting for his reputation and his freedom. But when Michaela Stanford, his former college bestie and crush, walks back into his life, he's reminded of the fire that still burns between them. As their 20-year college reunion approaches, they have a chance to rekindle their friendship and explore love once again. But Owen's battle with Devin is getting in the way of pursuing things with Michaela. With Devin breathing down their necks and threatening their lives, Owen must decide whether to give in or fight for his heart's desire. This is the premise of secret second chances, a friends to lovers second chance romance Available on Amazon on March 5th. Pick up your copy today. This is the Nerdy Romantics Podcast, and I'm your host, Y.M. Nelson. Oh, Nerdy Romantics. Today, we are talking about romances with main characters that are in the LGBTQIA community. And um, we're doing this in honor of Pride Month. Yay, Pride Month! Um, I want to first kind of start off because some of us may not know what all those acronyms mean. Um, I, or or all those letters in this acronym, we may not know what all those mean. So, uh, don't feel bad. Um, I will talk about them. I'll tell you what they mean. So first off, the L stands for lesbian and a lesbian is a female who is attracted to other females sexually. G stands for gay. And gay can be an umbrella term, but here gay means a male who is attracted to other males sexually. The B is for bisexual, and that's a person who's attracted to both males and females. The T is for transgender. Transgender means that someone identifies with a gender that they may not be born as. Um, and Q stands for either questioning or queer. I stands for intersex. And what that means is that's an umbrella term for people who are born with reproductive organs or anatomy or some chromosomes that can't, and they can't be identified as male or female, according to glad.org. Um, A is for asexual. That means a person does not have a sexual attraction to other people. However, they may have a romantic attraction, but it may not be a sexual one. Um, And the PLUS stands for any other sexual orientations or any other different gender identities um, that are not covered in those other uh, different letters. Now, you may see um, this acronym, you may see different letters appear, you may only see part of these letters there, um, but if you ever have any questions about what any of these letters mean, um, you can always go to glad.org. that's glaa dorg and today um on part one we have stacy our guest host stacy with us and we have our guest host marcy with us hello hi hi ladies i think
1: stacy is sort of here with us i am here (laughs) (laughs) sorry hello i just realized mute was still on Um,
0: It happens. This, this, it happens. This is, what, this is what goes on. But um, we are going to talk, of course. We are going to recommend some romances with LGBTQIA plus uh, main characters. And Marcy, what uh, romance do you
2: have for us? My story. My story is called "Reading Between the Lines," and it is by. I have to look at the Rachel Lacey. All right, so
0: um, Marcy, um, tell us about. Um, first of all, tell us what the book is about, um, and then talk a little bit about why the main characters are good representations in the LGBTQIA community. Um, and then just tell us a little bit about why you like this story in general. Um, and um, of course, all of our audience likes to know a little bit about the heat level, about some of the tropes that you may see, um, but definitely the heat level, so don't forget that. Um, but
2: uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about this story. Okay, so I'll try to tell you about it without giving away all of the, all of the twists and turns. So um, at the core of the story are two individuals um, and this, this is a female to female relationship book and one of the females is a bookstore owner of a store that she inherited from her mother And she loves books. She loves to read. And she is one of those people that when people walk into her store, um, she can either look at them and tell what kind of book they're going to like, or she can, based on a a couple of questions, have recommendations that they're going to love. And so she is in this bookstore that her mother has. Uh, Her mother's passed away, and she is really into this bookstore. On the flip side, you have... um, a character who is super professional, super driven, working for the family business. Um, they're into real estate, and she's from upper crust society. She's very um, her family's affluent, of course. Um, her parents are more traditional, and um, she is. But both of these characters are. I'll say open uh about their uh sexuality. I'll say that the second character's parents are aware I, I wouldn't go as far as to say like super endorsing, but um but she has told her family uh, and and her friends that she does live um as as a lesbian female so there's that uh she has a sister who really embraces her um and all the things about her and um so that's the core characters and it's kind of hard to tell this story without a few spoilers so
0: oh boy
2: because these two characters meet in two different ways So the trope that is used here is the whole pen pal secret identity. And I say that because these two women have met each other in an online dating platform and have been corresponding with each other for a good amount of time, but have never met in person and have never seen each other. Okay. But they meet in person. When the professional woman picks up her niece from school and they happen by the bookstore and her niece begs her to go inside because her niece loves to read. Now, at this point is when you find out the tension of the story, which is that the professional family that's in real estate has canceled the lease on the bookstore Of the bookstore owner, okay. Oh no! And she knows it when she goes into the store. Um. Oh boy! But she doesn't say anything because she doesn't want things to be awkward. But she also doesn't realize that the woman that she met in this that she meets at the bookstore, who she's attracted to, is also the person that she's been sharing her hopes dreams or frustrations with in the online messages so there's that so that's kind of the core of the story and i like it because it does have those things it does have um the the tension that makes you wonder if they're going to get a happily ever after it has um it has a really good representation of, of the characters and their um their relationship to one another. It has just a, a really good story. It's told so well that sometimes like I could see my in my mind, I could see the bookstore. And in my mind, I could kind of see them. Um, you find out some other things about the the professional character that I won't disclose because I don't want to give away everything um that also becomes central to the story in terms of heat though um I would say somewhere between sweet and sweet heat it's not super racy but they do have some scenes where they're intimate um so, yeah, I would say Sweet Heat is probably the level that I would give it. Okay. And um, I just it was just it was a really cute story. Like, I, honestly, I could see it turning into like a like a, a made for TV movie on some network because it had that oh. kind of vibe to it. Oh, um, it, okay. it had that kind of story to it with the twists and turns that you would expect to see on a screen. So I do see this as something like you could see it one day. Um on Hallmark or on Lifetime, like in in one of those. So it's a um, it's a it's a really good story. So again, um, read between the lines, Rachel Lacey. It's a really good read, and I really enjoyed. Um, and I will say that I am not something who before um, we started this journey of happily ever afters had actually read a um, LGBTQ uh, romance before of any kind. Okay. So this was my first foray into the genre and I actually think I picked a pretty good one. I really enjoyed the story. I I it was one that I didn't mind reading um to be part of this and it was definitely something that I would consider reading again because it was uh, it was really good. It reminds me Sort of like Jane Green ish, especially some of her early stuff. Um, yep. without the without the British tint to it. Um, right. but in that well written kind of kind of way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you were describing it, that it's kind of it kind of made me think like uh, like Hallmarky. Like when you said Hallmark, I was like, yeah, that that's kind of it. That's kind of what that sounds like, and it sounds really cute.
2: It was. And I don't want it to I don't when I say hallmarky though, I do I don't want it to say that it's so syrupy sweet. Like I said, there is tension, there is conflict. Yes. There are questions on whether or not they're gonna get to an HEA. So it's definitely not just as straightforward as it sounds. And I have purposefully left out one of the biggest sources of um some of the tension in the novel, just so that. I don't give all the spoilers so I do think that it could very well be one of those but it's not just going to be like um saccharine sweet and I appreciated that
0: all right sounds good is this one a book one or anything in a series or is it just a standalone do you remember it appears to be a standalone okay all right cool um let's go now to stacy stacy what book do you
1: have for us today um i have Work for it by of course the wonderful talia hibbert so <laughs> of course <laughs> um and i have to agree with marcy i don't really read a lot of um, um lgbtq plus um novels except for back in the day i read you know the whole elian harris series right Invisible Life. um but that was such a long time ago yeah um but until we've gone on this journey of just trying to find different books and different genres and things like that what we're doing here um i never really thought to go back and look for something specifically um in that realm but this book uh worked for it Um, it's an Italian habit book so you know they they have issues Um, right but it was one of those books that I was surprised at that I really it was short so there's not going to be a lot for me to say without me not trying to tell the story Um, but it's one of those um, you know city guy and I would I would say country boy but I wouldn't necessarily call him a country boy but he's just a small town person and a city person and he's of course, they both have some sort of issues. And if we've read any Talia or books, there's usually some sort of um they might be on the spectrum, they may have anxiety, but there's always something. In this case, they do have that. You have um the character um Olu. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Um, but he also goes by kinds, um, which I'm not sure <laughs> I'm right? oh saying. Okay. Uh, um But he's the main, he's, um, he's one of the main characters and he's actually part of a, it's a standalone, but it actually references another book of hers. Um, and is actually the brother of one of the characters from another book.
0: Unfortunately, Stacy's recommendation got cut off due to some technical difficulties. Looks like everything didn't convert here. Um, And I hate that it happened because it was a really good discussion, but we do have a part two of our LGBTQIA, Who Gets an HEA Recommendations episode. And that one, I recommend um, a novel by Lynn Lustig and our guest host, Jen, recommends two novels, actually two series. So keep listening. We have with us um, Jen today, and Jen is going to talk about a couple of um, romances with main characters that are in the LGBTQIA community. And I am going to talk about one as well that Jen recommended to me. Jen, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited to talk about these books all right so what
0: we're gonna do is we'll go over um of course book title and book author we're going to talk a little bit about what the book is about um why we like these main characters um especially as representations of the lgbtq community and we're also going to just talk a little bit about why we like the books in general. Why are we recommending these these romances? And in that, we'll talk about who the romances are really for. Like if, if you like sweet or steamy. So we're going to talk a little bit about heat level. We'll talk about tropes that we like in these particular romances. All that kind of good stuff. So Jen, what's the first
3: romance that you have for us today? I am going to be talking about a book from the Cloaked series by L. Beauregard. The Cloak series is a three-book series that has magical elements uh, and lots of great characters. So the first book in the series is The Cloak's Shadow, and um, the second book is called The Medium's Possession, And the third book is The Witch's Compliment. I'm going to talk about The Witch's Compliment. The um, books that I'm going to talk about, though, just so you know, if you go to Elle's website, she has um, short uh, novellas that you can also get that kind of tell the in-between stories that go along with um, these three books. Okay. So they're really great. And so let's get into it. So The, uh, the Witches' Compliment is a book with two um, female witches as the central main characters. And they are characters that I immediately fell in love with. Wren, we actually meet Wren in the first book. Um, and I'll get into that in just a second. But um, what has been going on in this series by the time we get to book three is that we have, there has been a shadow which is sort of a a demon-like character that has been terrorizing um, our couple from the first book and our couple from the second book. Um, We have a medium, we have two mediums that are in the series, and we have a character that is known as a cloak. Now, a cloak in the series is somebody who doesn't see sort of the spirit world at all, and when she is near somebody like a medium a medium being somebody who can see this a lot of things about the spirit world that cloak sort of covers the medium as well and that's a really sort of interesting way that the the two main characters get together in the first book um he's a medium and he is followed around by um a lot of ghosts and the ghosts can talk to him but obviously if you're sitting in a coffee shop, you can't just be chatting with the ghosts that are around you. It's not cool. So um, <laughs> he has to try to ignore them and sort of carry on with his life. But there's the situation where he always has lots of voices in his head. In that book is when we meet Ren and, um, and things happen to Ren. There's, uh, I'm just going to warn you right now. And, um, but then- By the time we get to book three, we are ready for Rand to get her happily ever after. She is a really fantastic character because she is a witch that um, she was raised by her grandmother and that side of the family does not have any magical ability at all. Um, She lost her mother when she was very young and has had to kind of grow up with these powers and knowing that she has these. These, this connection to the um, to magic, without having a really good guidance system about how to figure out how to use it, and um, she has made her way in the world by um, by connecting with other folks that um, that understand magic, by making some connections and sort of choosing to live life in in her own best way. So she is, um, and I love that about this character because she has not allowed the um, uh, the opinions of others um, and her family to distract her from who she is. And that's a very difficult thing for a lot of people to do.
0: Yes. We first meet is. her in the
3: first book when she is, we find out that she and Xander, who's the, the female main character of the main, of the first book, um, that they went to college together and they were friends in college. And the, one of the first conversations that the two of them have when um, when they meet back up is that Ren tells her that, um, that she has a girlfriend and, um, and there's a great moment. Obviously that's, can be very stressful for a lot of people to come out to those around them. But, um, but that was a really great moment. She's like, Oh, tell me about her. Right. Cause she'd been saying, Oh, you have somebody in your life. Tell me about him. And so she makes that, um, she makes that connection that she is actually dating a woman. Now, by the time we see her in, um, I don't want to do too many spoilers, but, um, okay. but her, her girlfriend, uh, things happen. Now, okay. When we get to the witch's compliment, um, when, by the time we get to the witch's compliment, um, we're a few years into this, um, into the story arc that's that's going on. And um, and Ren is, in, Ren is in a good place in a lot of ways, but um, she's been traveling the country um, in an RV and has been, um, supporting herself by doing, um, magical, um, like magical consulting for folks, anything from, um, staging a house to, uh, doing tarot readings to that type of thing. And so she has this connection with, um, with life and, um, There's other characters that are in the series, one of whom um, works as a tattoo artist. And and he ends up with this intern um, in his tattoo shop. And we find out that our intern is also connected to the magical world. Cool. But in contrast to Ren, Abby has grown up with um, her mom and her dad both know all about magic they have an entire community that they that she has grown up around that she has been with that um, she has a deep understanding of of not only the magic that she's personally connected to and that she's personally um, able to tap into but also just sort of an awareness that there's lots of other things that are out there lots of other people that are out there um, and powers and she's really able to help um to help Ren to sort of make some connections and to be able to understand this, you know, the big bad. We have the shadow and where the shadow is coming from and what the shadow really means to to the world. Because when we see the shadow in the first couple of books, um, this is an entity that is um, that is kind of creating problems for um, for the main characters. But we don't. But because they don't have a clear understanding of what. Um, of what this entity is. They don't know what the bigger, how, how big of a threat that it is to the world as a whole. And we get that a lot of that information from Abby. Abby is just, what's really interesting is that I think I, I mentioned um, that Ren has this connection to life. She has a connection to plants and to growth and, um, and that type of thing. And Abby's connection is to death not in like, uh, not in a way that means like dark magic and not in a way that means like evil, but she has this connection to death where it's it's very peaceful for her and that she uh, she doesn't see ghosts per se, but, um, but people that have passed on are able to contact her. And, um, and so the two of them meet when Ren goes into the tattoo shop and uh, they have this immediate connection and Ren... Ren is sort of dealing with the fact that she hasn't felt a connection for anybody since um, since her last girlfriend and isn't quite sure that she's ready or what it is that she needs to do. And um, and Abby is sort of um, understanding of that and uh, and still is willing to just kind of like meet her where she is and in a way that is that is so, um, I don't know, it's just it's just the way that I would want somebody to, um, to connect with me. If I was in the same place, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. that feeling
3: like she knows that she's, she knows that she's Ren is ready for this, but not really ready for it. And just that, that moment of real indecision about where she is sort of on her own personal journey towards, you know, finding, finding our people and finding our people can be, um, can be a really, um, big challenging thing. And what's what's great about the way that Abby approaches her is that Abby finds her fascinating and Abby feels immediately attracted to her, but, um, but doesn't want to push her if she's not ready to do something. She's like, look, let's just get coffee. If that's cool. And um, the amount of um, their relationship on that level is just so adorable that um, the way that they, they connect. So, yeah. So, uh, What's great too is that because she has this connection with Abby, um, as we get towards the end, um, she's able to tap into deeper levels of her magic. She's able to tap into um, some of the things that Abby knows. And let me just tell you, if you think that this is just like a sweet little, you know, connection between between two people, it is. It is. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, we we start adding in the spice here. Don't even worry about if you're somebody that (laughs) likes a spicy raid we're going to cover that even though we do have two characters that on the surface seem like they're just kind of sweet and delicate or what have you no no absolutely (laughs) not we are going to get we're going to get some spice we're going to get some serious heat we are going to get um when they are ready to to sort of take that leap into maybe this is more of a relationship and not a friendship um well obviously still a friendship but when they are gonna when ren is ready to kind of take that step and and be like um yeah this is a person that i am attracted to this is a person that i um that i want to be with you know and there needs to be naked times we're in good shape with l l does a really really great job with her sex scene so
0: that's good uh,
3: do not do not worry about that um but then what's fantastic is that as we get to the end these two these two characters that have that have so much like inner strength to them and such a connection to each other and to their magic. They get to shine when we come to the end and the big battle with the big bad and oh my god they are badass. They get to be badass as well and that's so awesome. Is what I really love about this book in particular and this series as a whole. All of the all of the women in the in the series are are strong in their own way. They're not, you know, strong, like Navy SEAL type strength or, right. um, you know, FBI agent kind of strength, which a lot of times, sometimes when we're talking about strong female characters, that's what we're talking about. Um, instead, what we have is women that all have, they have their own inner life. They have their own inner strengths and they have their own sort of way that they look at the world. And um, all of them are different. All of them are, are. Um, are interesting and people that you would want to spend more time with right so and then when we get to the end of the witches compliment i just i love seeing good people um, put on their badass clothes and go to work and <laughs> <laughs> and we definitely we definitely get that here uh, do not mess with these two witches so
0: wow so question for you is yeah. it a contemporary
3: oh yes this is a contemporary um the series takes place in two different cities uh the series starts in new orleans and um and it by the time it ends we're in seattle there's um it is it is contemporary
0: oh new orleans of course with all Mm -hmm. the magic oh yeah (laughs) cool um so as far as any tropes or did any tropes come out that you just like You really loved or want to point out
3: we have we have sort of an opposite opposites attract again and that's related to their magic so ren is somebody whose magic is based in life and abby's magic is based in death i'm not sure i'm i'm explaining that exactly correctly but um but you'll get the idea once you get into the book the so we have a little bit of an opposites attract Um, We also, and one of the things I love about books that have a little bit of magic in them is, um, is the way that magic is sort of described sometimes as an energy that is running within a person. And so it's really about their own inner energies and being attracted to each other. And that, that Mm -hmm. attraction becomes like a magnet, right? The same way that a negative and a positive on magnets are the ones that like bring you together. Um, That's what we see in, in this book as well. There's, um, okay. there's some really sweet moments. There's, um, yeah, I think we're going to focus on that trope for
0: this one. So is that you're saying this is book three? Um, how many are in the series?
3: Three books. Oh, okay. So this yeah. is,
0: oh, that's why they're fighting the big bad. Yeah. So this, <laughs> this is one. the third okay. book in the
3: series. And then if you subscribe to Elbow Regards, um, newsletter, then you can get, Uh, there's two novellas that kind of happen in between it's not required to read the novellas you can definitely follow the story without reading the novellas if you if if you're not a newsletter person but um but yeah definitely recommend getting the novellas though okay cool Mm -hmm. um and that's
0: what you were talking about before with the novellas okay yes yeah cool um all right so um looks like uh we are going to be in the nerdy romantic kind of area i, mm-hmm. I should say um in in this one because um because that one is um I would say fantasy if they're talking, if it's witches and yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It sort of falls in that a paranormal realm.
3: romance world. Yeah. Um, maybe right. urban fantasy type world. And um yeah.
0: Okay. And so you were also mentioning, because the book that I'm going to talk about is by, um, by Lynn Lustig. And you were telling me that Lynn and L have a series that they're doing together. So yes. talk a,
3: yeah, talk a little bit about that. Oh my gosh. So fun. So Lynn and L are friends and uh, together they wrote a series called Dispelled Lineage, D-I-S-P-E-L-L-E-D, like, you know, casting spells and um, lineage because we're talking about a family here so cool these are steamy contemporary romances i will say it's a little bit of an alternate um alternate universe so okay there's uh because they it it feels like a contemporary romance but there's this element of space travel and i'm going to talk about that in just a second so in this one there's a loose homage to their favorite animated movies and by loose okay. uh just le- just to let you know they are queer and they are very hot this series is a bit hotter i'm going to say than or more on the spicy side than else um the cloak series okay now although that's kind of a you can kind of decide for yourself if that's if that's true because i don't know that the individual sex scenes are are so much hotter or so much less hot um, between the two series, but I believe dispelled lineage has more um, sexy scenes per book. So okay, you kind of take that as you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So, I will count that as steamier.
3: So what's great about this series as a whole is is that um, is that they're the father of the of the siblings. We have uh, two girls and a boy that make up the main part of the book. Is that Early in his life, he was, he was in space for space reasons, and he came in contact with a being from another planet. Um, that being came to Earth. They were able to spend some time together, and then they were separated. And it has been the mission of his life to try and reconnect with, um, um, with this being from another, from another planet. And as a result of that search, there's been sort of this pain inside of him. And unfortunately that pain sort of came out as, um, as being not a great father in a lot of ways. So we don't know a whole lot about him and his, and his story until the very end. This is a series that has four books in it. But today I wanna to talk about book two in this series. Um, what I, one of the things I really like about the whole series is sort of the, is the queer representation. And that is something that's important to both Lynn and Elle and the, Lynn Lustig and and Elle Beauregard in the way that they write. Um, a lot of their books have that sort of queer representation and, and awareness. And I feel like they both are able to bring, um, a lot of reality and a lot of, um, they don't tend to depend on, um on some of the the more common tropes that you see associated with them where there's you know it's a big coming out story which is which are great stories to read but there's lots of other things that might happen in a person's life
2: and so what I really
3: appreciate about them is their ability to um to tell you know these big multi-layered stories um while also that also happen to feature queer characters although they're um, their queerness is not necessarily the central element of the story, and um, and I love seeing that not only in their books but uh, across the the romance genre. I feel like we're seeing more and more and more of that, where we are getting um, a lot more um, a lot right. more types of stories. Yeah, and I really appreciate that. So in um, in book one, um, oh no, we're going to talk about book two. Book two is called "Worth Melting For," and uh, and so we have a little bit of an Elsa uh, from Frozen sort of feel to the main character. So um, our main character is Lana, and uh, because of of their dad's relationship with this um, being, there is something that changes within Dad and his kids who are not um he didn't have children with the being i'll put it that way okay but uh he was sort of left with the impression with uh oh i don't know how to just how to explain it correctly but um because of his relationship with uh with that being his kids all have powers and their powers are not quite like superheroes but they are very difficult to explain to like the world because they're not like superheroes. So Lana's gift is that um, she knows the probability if what somebody says is true. So while you are speaking to her, she is, she sort of takes a lot of information around what it is that's happening and, and sees these percentages about whether this person is, is a hundred percent telling the truth or most likely telling the truth. So she has all these sort of things in her head that she can see. And so, um, and so the way that this book starts out is that um, today, Lana's husband will leave her. And she knows this before he does, thanks to her ability to see probability of the scenarios that she can imagine. And so um, because um, her husband leaves, he is awful when he leaves, just FYI. He is, um, he freezes their accounts and um, just creates a bit of a nightmare for Lana. And so even though Lana and her father do not get along, um, she, he is her only hope for a bit until she is able to work out the whole situation and finish the divorce with her husband. So, um, so that's a whole thing. And his insistence is that she is going to be um, head counsel for the company. Because she, because of this one, because of this ability, but also because she is just incredibly, incredibly intelligent woman, um, she is a lawyer, and and so he's going to make her be head counsel for the company. In book one, he uh, sort of participated in some industrial espionage, and it is <laughs> is now being oh my sued. Gosh. so yeah, so <laughs>
0: wow, that's a fun
3: one. You got to go <laughs> read that one too because that's a whole thing. Anyway. So uh, because the company that he was spying on was uh, our, our hero from book one and hero from book one ends up with uh, this guy's daughter. So we not only have um, espionage going on, oh but we have, uh, yeah, definitely daddy does not approve of that daughter's um, hookup with her boss. That's a whole thing. But Lana in book two, Lana is, uh, has to argue the case and, you know, figure out what's going to happen here. And she is introduced to Sean and Sean is just as sharp tongued as Lana can be, but she has a much brighter, sunshiny kind of personality. So we have that grumpy sunshine type of uh, an interaction that's happening. Yep we also have i wouldn't say that they are enemies to lovers but they are on opposite sides of a legal issue so there's a whole thing that might happen here with um, you know because this is my dad's company and that's your company and they are suing each other so we kind of have to figure out what what that means in terms of, of of what can happen here and then lana like i said she starts off the the book in the process of divorcing her husband and now she finds herself attracted to a woman and not only figuring out what's going on with Sean and this case, but Sean is the first person that Lana meets that she cannot see probabilities like she can with everybody else. So she is completely blind where this person is
0: concerned.
3: Yes. She doesn't, everybody else she can figure them out like super easily because of because of this ability to always know um, or at least have a very good sign about, about what people's intentions are, whether they're lying or not, those kinds of things. And so this person, she has to get to know in the same way that the rest of us have to get to know people. Is this person for real? And one of the things that she really struggles with is that Sean is so charming and, um, and is also, you know, very family oriented, and just seems like a a good, wonderful cinnamon roll of a person. And Lana doesn't know what to do with that.
1: <laughs> oh my god! And watching
3: her try to figure it out is so much fun because she is so used to being in. First of all, her husband, like I said, was uh, was not a good person, and um, and really you know, sort of created all these problems for her. So she has been living in this situation of distrust for a long time. She doesn't have a great relationship with her father. She does have friends. I mean, this is not a weird thing for her. She understands that there's lots of people in the world that are good people, but, um, but to be thrown into a situation where she needs to meet with Sean on a regular basis, they have to work out a lot of the details of the case and, um, and just finds her to be not only, um, attracted to her, but, Um, But in a situation where she really just doesn't understand where this person is coming from. And I love to see somebody who is in the whole rest of their lives, a complete badass. And then it's sort of like flustered in (laughs) in the face of somebody that they're attracted to. I
0: love it. I love it when they're thrown off kilter just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So fun.
3: you know, in the movie Elsa doesn't get uh she doesn't get a, a romantic interest in right. Frozen. But yep. uh, but Lana does and it's hot. I love um, that.
0: <laughs> that is cool, especially considering, you know, Elsa didn't get her love interest, which has always bothered me about that movie.
3: Yeah. That's Just really there's a lot of people that relate to Elsa in various ways. For, yeah. Um, for folks that um, that uh, a lot of folks see her as as potentially a a queer icon, she's been interpreted that way by a lot of different people. Um, wow. There's lots of folks that view Elsa as um, as somebody maybe who was suffering from depression, and um, because you know people try to help. And she sort of locked herself away and made herself, you know, sort of not available to mm-hmm. um to folks. And was just that. sort of in a situation where she was um didn't have the guidance maybe that she needed at the time. And um, and so there's lots of people that can relate to Elsa's story. And I think that once, and I really appreciate what um, what Elle and Lynn decided to do um with that story and the way that they sort of interpreted it into lana's story you know of being someone who needed to needed to kind of figure some things out didn't have a, a lot of great uh, parental uh guidance um going for her and had kind of shut herself off in some ways literally in the book when her husband leaves her husband leaves and takes all of the furniture out of the house okay yeah All the furniture except she has like her office which has like her desk, you know, sort of her home office space, all the other furniture in the house is taken. And so she is, she sort of like locked herself into this big, empty, cold house. And I'm like, I'm like, so she has an ice castle. (laughs) I'm just loving this. Wow. Right. right? And then Sean is so, so warm and, and, uh, and wonderful to be around that it's, that's why it throws her. She just doesn't know what to do with herself.
0: I I think that sounds cool, Mm
3: -hmm. you know,
0: (laughs) not, not to make a pun or anything there, that pun unintended. (laughs)
3: That's all right. That's all right. We knew it was coming. Uh, But,
0: you know, as you're saying this, you know, you, you kind of get hints of fan fiction, but it's so much more than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It it just sounds like it's just inspired. It's not even fan fiction. They took that and ran with it.
3: Yeah, I they really that. ran with it. Everything is just sort of like like lightly inspired by.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. I can see that. And since they are so good together, we've got to talk about Lynn and um and I'm gonna uh <laughs> I'm just gonna go ahead and put the rest of the books that you've said on my TBR because uh Jen actually recommended Lynn Lustig's Gilded Lies to me. Mm -hmm. And not that I don't have um, a lot, but um, there, uh, I I will say, there's like a gap as far as reading books with LGBTQIA main characters. And um, for me, and we talked a little bit about this in um, the earlier portion of this episode with Marcy and Stacy. We talked about, you know, in the late 90s, there was Elan Harris and, you know, but as far as romance, he's not really considered romance. He's more contemporary literary fiction or contemporary fiction um more mm-hmm, like contemporary mm-hmm. commercial fiction i should probably say and um so as far as actual romance goes you know there's other than Sierra Simone who does like i like i said before um she does alternate lifestyles very well mm-hmm. she's just um amazing um uh, but other than Sierra Simone I haven't read widely in um with romances that have had LGBTQIA+ plus main characters and and so um I when Jen recommended this one to me I was like okay um all right we'll try it you know why not Um, but Gilded Lies by Lynn Lustig is book one in the Frequency series and
3: Jen, I'll have to say, I loved this book. I knew you would. I knew you would. I love it. I was like,
0: I am just like, and and it's, it's off the, it's very nerdy and romantic, right? It's, it's what this. Whole um podcast is all about it's kind of where nerdy and romantic kind of meet, and um, yes, we've had a few things where that where that happens, but I just thought, wow, this is really where this meets i mean it it has all of my little romance drama that I need, you know all the little good nuggets of romance that I need. Um, But it also has, as you can probably tell from from the series that they did together that Jen talked about and from L series, but um, it has a sci-fi fantasy bent. It's really more sci-fi. Yeah.
3: And I've heard Lynn call it um, X-Men with queer representation. That is exactly what I was going to say. I was like... As soon as I read this, as soon as I started reading this,
0: and I was thinking, okay, these people have powers. Yes, I'm gonna get into the I'm gonna get into the description, I promise everybody. But um, I have to geek out a little bit. As soon as I started reading, I was thinking, this sounds a lot like X-Men. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows how much I love X-Men.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so I was like,
3: Jen really got this one for me. I'm like, I got you. I got you. I knew.
0: <laughs> I'm like, wow, Jen. You know, if you could just see eye to eye, come on, this is <laughs> this is great. <laughs> this is totally great. But um, so let me describe it a little bit. Um, basically, you've got. I'm gonna say you've got one main main character, and that's John, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um John is a bisexual and right now he's with his male bodyguard. Um and they're in a relationship, but their relationship as the as the um book starts is one that's very down low because John is a superstar. He yeah. is Hollywood or Broadway. He's Broadway. He moves to Broadway, but he's Hollywood as well. Exactly. So so he's um so their relationship is kind of, you know, on the down low because he's a superstar in that he's a sex symbol, you know, um, mm-hmm. as well. And um his ex girl, his ex is a girl named Leisha, right? Um yes. The, the other thing that I did not realize, um, actually, before I go on, the other thing that I didn't realize, and uh, I will say I did this in an audiobook. So um, I got that um, John's bodyguard, and I, for some reason I'm losing his name right now. Um, but we'll remember Emerson. Them. Emerson.
3: Emerson, Yes,
0: yes, Emerson. For some reason, well, I got, I kind of got that he might be black, yes? Yes. Okay, so I didn't even realize, and I was wondering why, I was wondering about the names, but I didn't realize that um, some of the other characters are also racially, ethnically different, right? Uh, Maybe, okay like south asian or yes um so okay all right so i didn't realize that while i was reading the audio book but um i noticed that um i noticed that you said that they were um different racially which is so cool i i just i just think this whole, this whole thing is cool so mm-hmm. um what you're finding out is that um as you're as you're reading and I don't want to give too much away, but just to kind of set it up. So um there has been this um event. Um uh, I, I don't want to it's it's not like an extinction level event, but it was a major event, world mm-hmm. event, where um something happened and they don't really get too much into this book. I'm wondering if they get into it in the other books. You
3: yes. Know? Later okay. on, Later they on, there's it. a lot more explanation about the shift and, and kind of what okay. it, what happened and what it means.
0: Oh, okay. World. Yeah. All right, cool. So so yeah, in this one, you're just kind of introduced that there's this event that happened. And after the event happened, they started to notice that children were growing up with certain abnormal abilities. So this is where the whole X-Men thing comes into play. So John's ability is to kind of project good feelings out or to project his aura out onto others. Yes. So not just
3: good feelings. Yeah.
0: Okay. Not just good feelings. <laughs> good. Oh, good feelings. Good, good just... feelings. Come <laughs> right.
3: Out <there>. Right. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Real good feelings, um, which is part of the reason why we think he's a, a sex symbol, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because he does that projecting, right? And so Emerson is one of those who totally reminds me of Rogue. I I, I just totally got the Rogue vibe because he kind of sucks the life energy out yes of people Um uh, which is exactly what rogue does if she touches somebody so um from x-men so I, I when that when you know lynn's describing emerson i'm like oh my gosh this is totally x-men and if it wasn't x-men i don't know what is and um You know, I'm just going to say it is, even if it's not meant to be, but I am totally
3: (laughs) in love
0: with that. It is because it just, it just seems that way. And to okay, you just make it your own. You just make it your own. Totally fine. (laughs) This is my interpretation of it. And to top it off, right? So there's, you know, the whole conflict or the whole crisis or whatever is that there is um, another, um, abnormal, they actually call them something else, but I don't want to spoil all that. But um, there's another um, a person with special abilities. And that person is actually locked up because they're doing experiments on this person. Mm-hmm. And the reason why they're doing experiments on this person why they've kind of um, been experimenting is that they want to try to cure the people with abilities. And that so much reminded me of x men I think it's the third one. I think it's x men three mm-hmm. where there was um a little boy that they had on was it on Alcatraz did they have him on alcatraz? they had him in a in a facility and i think they made the facility on alcatraz
3: i think so i think that's right it's been yeah a little while yeah it's
0: been (laughs) it's been decades since that movie came out it feels like so um so yeah and he actually every time a mutant came in contact with him they would lose their abilities and it just made me think so much of that that movie you know um, but anyway, so the it you actually you kind of go through a on one level here you have um you know a i wouldn't say budding, it seems like they've been in a really you know they're they're in a really good relationship. John and Emerson are in a really good relationship, yeah, but they're at a point where Emerson wants to take it to another level yeah.
3: and
0: John is like I ain't ready to to out myself to the public. I don't care everybody else in my world knows who I am, but the public, you know, they can kick rocks. So, um, <laughs> you know, or I'm not ready to talk about it to the public. Right. So, they're kind of at a little bit of an impasse and then because there's this crisis of, you know, they can, they can sense, actually, they can kind of sense or they're having some hallucinations or some kind of dreams or something.
3: Yeah, And
0: um, that's why the ex-girlfriend comes into play, because she, her abnormal ability is that she can project any feelings and she can actually alter feelings on people. Yeah. Like alter feelings so much that, you know, she could physically make people do things because their emotional state is driving them to do stuff.
3: I and know. Isn't that wild? That is We never really think so about wild. how much our emotions um, uh, cause right. us to behave in a certain way or cause exactly. us to act in a certain way, and how, you know, regardless of how, you know, sort of logical you think that you're making decisions, that there's always an emotional element to it. And always. I think that that's such an interesting power to explore.
0: Right, exactly. It totally is. And, it, you know, it kind of gives you just a little bit, a little bit of, um, of Star Trek for me, you know, only because there's always this, you know, especially with Spock and you know, continuing on with just about every other Vulcan, but um, but especially with Spock, there's always this kind of um, war between mm-hmm. emotion and logic, right? And right. then and then in Star Trek TNG, there's um, Data, who has no emotions. But there are certain episodes where it's like, now did he have emotions in this episode? Mm -hmm. You know, there's certain episodes where he does get emotions, but, you know, um, I'm actually thinking about an episode I just saw again uh, for the millionth time yesterday where he is, like, compelled to do something and he's trying to logically compute, you know, killing this person um, But, you know, something happens and it's like, ah, did he have emotions? And they're actually like looking. But, you know, getting back to this book, it's just, it's so amazing how much emotion can actually drive you. And you not even realize how emotion is driving you. And you think that it's logic or it's you know, it's other things, but it's not, it's, it's emotion that can actually drive you to do certain things, you know, and it's, it's amazing to see that, but the other thing, um, that this kind of dynamic shows, because of course, you know, Leisha is, you know, she compels people emotionally, but she also, as far as a moral center, Mm -hmm. is lacking a little bit in that area you know she's not told she's not amoral that's not it but but she's got kind of a loose moral center and and it's actually the dynamic in this story is um you know she's got kind of a loose moral center Emerson is very very much black and white when it comes to that it's like there's good and there's bad and you're doing some bad stuff here, you know. Right. He's he's very staunch morally. And and then there's John who's just influenced in the middle poor thing. Oh lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, he's cute. He has these big he's killed and he's influenced. around him, yeah. Right, exactly. Exactly. He's killed and he's influenced, as, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, and then not to mention, you know, he but he does have like a he does have his. Is, is Precia his manager? No, Precia is. is she?
3: Oh, Precia, you're going to learn so much more about Precia in the next book. But Precia and he are starring in a Broadway show together.
0: Okay. And
3: they are also dating. And right. They that's are the public relationship that he has.
0: Okay. So that. So she's his public. She's his work wife. That's what he no, said. No, no. I, Actually, Wait, hold on,
3: hold on. Because I think you missed something. Because it's a little, it's kind of subtle in that book um, about what the relationship is with Prisha and John. Prisha and John are dating. They absolutely yeah. are. They he he spends the night at her house. Absolutely.
0: Oh yeah, they're totally, da- yeah, they're yeah. totally dating. Yeah, they're totally dating. Yeah, I totally, totally I having sex with each other. Yeah, I totally but, got that part. Oh, I, yeah, so, but I'm she so, is the yeah. I guess co-star. what I say, work wife is probably is that that was probably a.
1: A little but bit. She knows about yeah. Emerson.
3: Emerson knows about her as well. Right. Exactly. So this is not yeah, a they cheating all know. situation. If yeah. You are, if you don't like cheating books, this is not a cheating book.
0: No, it's definitely not a cheating book. They have a, a kind of a open relationship right now, which is another reason, kind of, why I think Emerson struggles a little bit because I think he kind of, well, maybe in this book, it just seems like he kind of he wanted just he just wanted a close relationship there's nothing else i could kind of say about that he's okay with john and precious but it's just like you know
3: he wants he wants to be public
0: yeah he wants people to know you know he
3: wants to be able they're they're he's his bodyguard so it's normal that for them to be seen together but he wants he wants to hold hands he wants to go on a date and do all those, you know, boyfriend things. And that is something that is that, that John's not willing to do. He's not willing to give him that, um, that public side of the, of the relationship. So, um, and that's, that's, what's causing the problems between them is that he doesn't get to be public. And, and I can, you know, obviously I can definitely see if you were with somebody that didn't want to take you on dates, and right. wanted to hide you away. You are like, you know, that's not great for me. I don't exactly. like the way this feels.
0: Exactly, exactly. It's like th- this is your, especially when you are in public with somebody else, and that mm-hmm. somebody else is is also in a relationship relationship with you. It's not like a, you know, I am being his beard.
3: You yeah. Know? So um, it's just, yeah. It's yeah. Just- it's rough. I do feel for Emerson. I really do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he, cause he has to decide how he wants to live his life. Does he want to live his life, um, in the shadows and he doesn't. Right. Nobody does. Exactly.
0: Exactly. You know, and, and the, and it's not like, you know, he's, it's not like either of them are really in the closet. It's more John is in the closet publicly right yeah which it's is I like i for, for most people too. And, and that's that's also kind of the whole it's like you know i want to be with you and you don't have a problem with that and you know it's like but we can't be together in public because you have this public persona that has a problem with it you know kind of mm-hmm. thing yeah it's 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 a wild uh kind of dynamic going on. Oh, but what I was saying about Precia, actually, what I was kind of trying to say about Precia was, she's kind of like his, uh, his being John, she's kind of like John's practical voice. Like, you got Leisha, who's just like, I'm just gonna go off the deep end and do what I want to do. And I don't even know why you're trying to hang out with me in the first place. We are broken up. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. But they're, so attracted to each other like there's there's this obvious like soulmate vibe thing going on there for you know whatever and then he's got Emerson who's like listen you've gotta you know do this this way you know kind of thing and then you have just got Precia who's like listen this is what it is you know this is this is how things are going she's she's that kind of practical kind of calm it down john you know kind of person <laughs> like, like get your crap together john you know it, it, she's like that you know um you know the practical person so you got the practical person you've got the moral person you've got the emotional person that just you know goes off the hinges kind of thing and all these people around john and poor john and that's why i say john is kind of like the main character here it's like all these people kind of orbiting him to a certain extent but it's fun and it's it's totally is definitely a romance you know don't get me wrong we got the romance vibe which i talked about but What I really, and I guess this is more my nerdy side just coming out and maybe my nerdy side is starved for air. I really love the nerdy side of this.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Um, Lynn does does nerdy really well, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's so good. It's
0: like, oh my gosh, X-Men, I'm just and you know, it's been so long since I've really, (coughs) it's been so long since I've really seen um, seen an X-Men movie, you know, I don't go back and watch the X-Men cartoon or anything, you know, for kicks, but, you know, it's just been so long since, you know, I've had an X-Men fix, and this was like an X-Men fix for me, <laughs> and I was just, you know, geeking out about it, but I found myself, um, as I was reading, I found myself, yes, I was A, rooting for John and Emerson to get together, of course. And, but even more so, I was rooting for them to save this other um, um, person with special abilities from being experimented on. Because, you you know, you're finding, and this is very early in the story, so I'm not going to I'm not you know spoiling anything, but you find that she does not want to be there. you know at mm-hmm. first, she was there, but then she realizes she does not want to be there and you you find that very early on, so you know i come i came out kind of like i, I i've got i've she's gotta be saved, we've gotta save her, we've gotta save her, and then you know the other Part of me, of course, is you know wanting people, wanting their the people in their world to accept the fact that they have abnormal abilities because, like I said, this is very much like X Men in that there's X Men Mm -hmm. and then there are humans and they don't get along. (laughs) and you know so so you have that dynamic here you very much have that dynamic here and so it's also you know a whole wanting um or needing tolerance and wanting acceptance in this kind of world so they can work this out kind of thing otherwise people like leisha are just going to be people like leisha I, i see leisha but my mind is thinking Magneto. (laughs) (laughs) Even though she's not manipulating metal, but it's the same kind of vibe that, you know, Leisha is like, listen, you know, there's us, and then there's them, you know? And I I don't really give a flip about them because they don't care about me, you know? So, (laughs) you know, you get this whole, you get that whole dynamic but it's t- it's not x men it's just for people who are x men fans you could totally see this vibe going. you could totally see this dynamic but it's you know like uh the other series that we were the uh series that they did together it's a totally different animal it's a totally different story you know. It's just X Men kind of inspired. It's not even fan fiction here. It's no, very much
3: X Men. No, these are inspired. very much not fan fictions. Yeah, yeah. are. This is a whole inspired different story. By, you can see the. You can. Yeah. kind of. It's the same, similar kind of vibe. Yeah. But not fan fiction. Yeah. Right, which is like totally
0: up my alley. I'm not a. <laughs> this is gonna sound stupid. I'm not a fan of fan fiction. <laughs> um but inspired by stories that are their own story that i can appreciate in their own right but i can also geek out by seeing the little easter eggs that i'm all about that and this one goes right up here with that now as far as um heat level um i'm gonna say with the heat level i'm gonna say sweet steamy. And the reason why I'm saying sweet steamy is because I only remember one scene in this book that was not fade to black. All the other scenes that are like love scenes, they're fade to black except for the one at the very end. And this is definitely HEA for John and Emerson. I don't think I'm spoiling that because it it's mm-hmm. pretty much says it really in here. <laughs> it says it in the book description pretty much. And you're going to get that vibe anyway. But you do get that kind of a little bit of a love triangle. And as much as I've said, I feel like I've said over the past few weeks, you know, there's not a lot of books for that are love triangles that, you know, kind of stand out and, you know, people are kind of like, yay, you know. Yeah. I don't, it, it. I don't think people are doing that trope that much anymore. Um, you know, this kind of gives me a love triangle kind of vibe a little bit. And it's only because Leisha has such a pull and it's, but you are not rooting for John and Leisha. You realize John and Leisha are definitely past you, you'll you'll know that from the very beginning you'll know yeah. that as soon as you meet them
3: um so I can, i'm not I can see i'm what not saying about that away. yeah it's not a, yeah you there nobody nobody's hoping for john and leisha to get together but there's definitely some there's definitely some feelings that are there but right. that's not the yeah triangles are real difficult to sell because you really mm-hmm. have to create a situation where both of the options one it has to be a situation where the person can only end up with one person so there's that right and then two you have to create characters that are believable as both being right for um for that for that person who has a choice to make exactly and then you also have to present you know both relationships in a way that doesn't feel like they are betraying the other person right? right Mm-hmm. so it's a it's a difficult um it's a difficult balance to to create for a lot of authors um I do have one if you want me to tell you I'll t- I do have one that I think she did a really good job um it skews a little younger it is um it's not steamy but it's a book called tell me how this ends and I thought that um what's her name Victoria de la O. I believe is the name of the author. And I felt like she did a really good job where you really were not sure which. um, You really weren't sure who was going to end up together at the end. Yeah, so I thought she did a good job. Uh, Those characters are like um, mid-20s-ish range. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, uh, but yeah, really good book. Okay, cool. And it's a trilogy. That also is a trilogy, by the way. Oh, um,
0: awesome. All right. So we have even more book recommendations. Here. So many more. There you go. That's um, a,
3: that book's been out for a while.
0: I will say about this book um, that I forgot to say earlier is, yeah, this is definitely a contemporary romance. But I think like um, like an, uh, the other book that you mentioned um, it's or the other series that you mentioned, it's more so like a an alternate earth um, because yeah. this shift thing happened. So it's yeah. not our earth as we know it, but it's very much contemporary, um, a contemporary romance. And, and like I said, I, you know, I, I feel like it's sweet steamy only because um, we get that, we get, one open door scene that I can remember. Again, I I listened to this in audio book, so I may be missing something there, Jan. I don't know if you remember, but um, uh, but that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting here from this. But all around, this is a good book. Um, I think there are there are two others in the series. Yes, there are two others that
3: have been published. There will oh, be so a total far? of four. Okay, that's yeah. great. Yeah, so, and that fourth book is due out soon. I don't okay. uh let me see if I can pull up what her uh what her published date is, but it's it's due out soon. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. So, um and
0: uh and like Jen was saying and I've noticed on um Lynn Lustig's website that that's kind of her thing. She she uh writes bisexual and queer characters. Um that's kind of it, it's part of her tagline or something about about um it on her website um which you know I think is cool and but you know it's funny because the one thing even though we're saying that you know John is not out to the public as in his public persona the the fact that John is bisexual really to me has it is, it's not really consequential to the story necessarily. It's just that his persona of his his persona to the public of dating his bodyguard who happens to be a man is that that is the biggest that is the bigger deal. Um, but just people's sexuality in this book is not um it's not a um i hate to call it struggle book but it's really not a struggle book it's these people are living their lives they are who they are and yes they have you know kind of conflict kind of things um that surround their sexuality but it's not about their sexuality and i that's another thing that I like about this is, you know, I need, I want to see the representation happen because it needs to be shown. People, you know, do live um, as LGBTQIA+, so we need to have this representation, but we don't need to focus on it because nobody's focusing on me being a heterosexual, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So we don't need to focus on that and and talk about that. I mean, this is not that book. And to me, romance novels, they can show us things without having to say, this is how it is. To me, that's for a nonfiction book. (laughs) If my struggles with whatever,
3: that's your memoir. That's yeah. not
0: a romance novel in my opinion. There's and, so
3: many other things that are happening in this yeah. book. yeah, so it's so like, many yeah. so many. Like I said before I what I really appreciate about uh, about the way that they write is that there's is that there there's representation, but there's also um, they also are very clear that that folks have entire lives outside of their exactly um, outside of their preferences exactly. And, Uh, And lives are complicated as they are outside of the person that you, uh, that you might be falling in love with or, um, or might be growing closer to. So there's so many other elements to somebody's story than, than uh, the one thing. Right. And that, that people are layered and interesting and complicated and the world is a complicated place to live. So the, um, which is a a really great thing. So (laughs) this is a very, (laughs) Um and in Gilded Lies, it's a very complicated world, and let me tell you, it that is. world only gets more complicated the farther you get into the series. Oh, oh my, my. I'm looking. So many things are happening. <laughs> so many things are happening. Yeah, the last book. Um, I know it's coming out here. Oh gosh, it's definitely coming out this year. Oh, that's um, I, just, I don't know what the 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 actual uh, release date is, but it's definitely coming out in 2022. And if it's, um. If it's not out by um, October, I'd be surprised. Yeah. Um, I bet it comes out before October.
0: Oh, okay. Sounds good. So we will be on the lookout for it. Jen, thank you so much for hanging out with me um, and talking about books that have LGBTQIA plus representation. And for, of course, recommending Gilded Lies. To me, I, oh, I got it. you. <laughs> Anytime. So
3: this was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Um, oh, you have course. a wonderful afternoon.
0: All right. And so the next episode in our series, we are going to talk about the Netflix runaway hit, You, which is from the book series by Caroline Kepnes. So stick with us for the next episode. Make sure you are subscribed. And oh, by the way, we have a new website, everybody. Nerdyromanticspodcast.com is our new website. And it does have all the show notes for all of the episodes on that website. So go check it out. So that's it for this episode. Please subscribe to Nerdy Romantics Podcast wherever you get your podcast to be notified anytime a new episode drops. And if you like what you're hearing, please rate and review. The links are in my show notes along with a lot of other links for books and other items that we talked about on our show. And if you really like what you're hearing, click the donate button while you're there to support us. Thank you for listening. Stardate, Not Too Distant Future. Brandon is a diehard Trekkie. He's watched every Star Trek franchise episode multiple times. He has several cosplay and collectible uniforms in his closet. Commander Will Riker is his favorite cosplay character, and he's been to dozens of conventions. But he's never met, or gotten in a fight with, another Trekkie like Phoenix. Phoenix is looking forward to her first Star Trek convention until she meets Brandon. He's nothing like the Riker character she loves to hate. He's combative, socially awkward, and off-putting. But he's so adorable. Phoenix and Brandon keep running into each other, each time more heated than the next. With three days of convention to get through, will they get past the hostility and find what they know is there, attraction, and perhaps love? This is the premise of Stardate, a free e-story for my newsletter subscribers, available on February 1st. If you like Trekkie romance, romantic comedy, or just like to see... A little grumpy sunshine trope, this story is for you. Go to ymnelson.com backslash subscribe and get your free copy.